0: Welcome to the Brownstein-Hyatt-Farber-Schreck podcast series. In this episode of the Finance in 5 podcast series, corporate shareholder Jay Spader and associate Scott McEachran take five minutes to discuss what led to the scheduled 2021 sunset of the London Interbank Offered Rate, or LIBOR, and what its replacement, the Secured Overnight Financing Rate, or SOFR, will look like in the international interbank market. Welcome to Finance in Five. This is Jay Spader. I'm a corporate finance partner at Brownstein here in Denver, and I am joined by my colleague, Scott McEachran. We're here to talk about what's commonly referred to or often referred to as the world's most important number, LIBOR, and specifically that LIBOR is going away. But before we jump into the documentation and the questions around that, um, I think it'd be helpful, Scott, you could give us a little background on what
1: LIBOR is. Sure, of course. So LIBOR is the London Interbank Offered Rate, And it's really the interest rate that a bank in London would pay another bank to hold its cash deposits. And this number started out in the 1970s as a reference rate for euro dollar transactions. And sort of as the market grew, the British regulators in the 80s realized that it would be helpful to sort of publish and create transparency around that number. And so through the 80s and 90s, this number grew rapidly and now, sort of prior to the scandal, traded on hundreds of trillions of dollars. And today does continue to trade on hundreds of trillions of dollars of paper throughout the world. Yeah. I don't think, other than deals that
0: are fixed rate deals, I don't think we have a floating rate deal that isn't a LIBOR deal. I mean, some of LIBOR and Prime, but certainly LIBOR is the preeminent benchmark rate in the world, um, and certainly for our deals of commercial finance. So LIBOR was developed, it was adopted, it's being
1: widely used. So why is it going away? Um, Because it was manipulated. So in 2012, it broke that a number of traders had been manipulating their reporting banks on the rates at which they're reporting LIBOR, to benefit their positions um and you know generate a huge profit off those trades and in addition you know in the banks also because this rate reflects the risk it costs a bank to borrow money banks would underreport their libor rate to appear more creditworthy and so you sort of had two prongs driving this as the regulators looked into it and realized i mean i think both sort of had The fraud had sort of continued, but it sort of came out that the fraud had been going on for 20 plus years. Sort of it started in the early 90s and, you know, it sort of continued through the financial crisis and up until, um, sort of all of this broke and, and the regulators sort of realized what had gone wrong in the market. Yeah, I think what's what's sort of fascinating
0: about that story is just incredibly fascinating. And I think you hit the nail right on the head. It was being manipulated for for multiple reasons. But I think one thing that dawned on folks that it wasn't a transaction-based number, that people were just sort of self-reporting that number in rather than saying, hey, we've done these 55 transactions over the last 24 hours, and here is the average number. So it was kind of I don't want to say subject to interpretation, but subject to abuse and and then got abused. So now the question becomes, what's next? And what has cropped up is SOFR, the secured overnight financing rate. And that would appear to be what's going to be our replacement rate for LIBOR. Um, They've brought together a committee, uh, the Alternative Reference Rate Committee, ARC. Um, And then ARC has recommended SOFR. But interestingly enough, uh, SOFR is not identical to LIBOR. Um, It's not just a different acronym, but sort of represents a different type of risk. So if you could tell us a little bit about how these two numbers diverge, um, that would be helpful.
1: Of course. So so FAR is a secured rate, and it's an overnight rate. So it's a rate that costs a bank to borrow against U.S. treasuries. So you end up with a rate that is lower than LIBOR because it is a risk-free rate and it's importantly is a rate that is only measured on overnight periods we've all grown accustomed to libor you know 1 month 3 month 6 month libor and have built Or loan agreements to reflect that and reflect those borrowings. And SOFR does not contemplate that today. We think it will over time. But while we're sitting here today, it does not.
0: Yeah. So that's another not to keep saying this is interesting. Uh, As a finance lawyer, I find all this interesting. But so the rate itself is going to be lower, which means your applicable margin is going to be different. And then on top of that, the secondary problem is that SOFR is a, a daily overnight rate rather than a term rate. So whereas a LIBOR contract could be locked in for three months, right now there is no term SOFR. So to say we're going to switch over to SOFR in 2021 doesn't really work right now. So the market has adopted kind of two approaches um, to amending the documents to address this situation. One is the, the hardwired approach where all the plumbing is already in there. And then the other approach is the amendment approach. And both of these approaches work. Um, And ARC has provided wording on each of these approaches that probably most finance lawyers are familiar with at this point. But each have their pros and cons. So the hardwired approach seems sort of great as an idea – But the issue is there is no term sofa right now, and we don't know what the spread adjustment is going to be in the future. So you're agreeing to something, market participants are agreeing to a number in the future that they don't know what it is. And obviously that makes folks uncomfortable. The amendment approach – the shortcoming there is that it, you know, you're agreeing to agree in the future, and then so when you get to that point when you need to amend the the agreement itself, um, who knows what the market conditions are? There could be gamesmanship around it, so that gives people pause too. But I will say in our practice, the amendment approach um, has almost been universally adopted. I think because this wording is so new, um, and people are waiting for further guidance, and then on top of Whether it's hardwired or amendment, then the question is okay, we know finally what we're going to fall back to. It's going to be SOFAR. But then the question becomes when? What are the triggers? And so the triggers, broadly speaking, right now are the announcement, essentially by a government authority or other regulator, that LIBOR is going to cease being released. Or kind of a more interesting one that LIBOR is no longer representative of the borrowing costs. And that really what's that saying is there's not enough market participants submitting numbers to get an actual accurate picture of what that benchmark rate should be. And those are sort of considered the mandatory triggers. And then on top of that, because… You know what's commercial finance without undue complexity is opt-in triggers, where if market participants notice that term over is being adopted, they may themselves opt into it. And depending on what the trigger is, depends what the required lenders, um, whether it's going to be a negative consent or an affirmative consent to get that amendment done. So there are a lot of moving pieces here still at this point. Um, it's not going to happen until 2021. So lenders and borrowers have some time to figure it out. But we thought it'd be good to put on everyone's radar of um, uh, things to think about uh, going into 2020.
1: With that in mind, I think the sky isn't falling because LIBOR is going away. But you know, it's the it's fourth quarter of 2019 right now, and you want to start thinking about as a borrower, as a lender, how you are sort of categorizing your contracts, thinking about what's out there, so you can start addressing it and start making these changes in 2020, so that you're prepared for the cessation of LIBOR in 2021. Great. I think that's it for us. Thanks, Scott. appreciate you
0: spending time talking about LIBOR with me. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Brownstein High at Farber Shrek podcast series. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. Visit bhfs.com for more information.